The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are going to talk about the Corbin Burns drama that is surrounding the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll go over the arbitration hearing. We'll tell you why the Brewers did it. It it makes a lot more sense, I promise you. After you listen to this podcast, you will know so much more about arbitration. It's going to make your head spin. Also, we'll talk a little bit about the Brewers fan base and what's going on there. Then we'll pivot to the Milwaukee Bucks. They had a nice win tonight against the Chicago Bulls and a reminder of the depth that the Bucks have. We'll go through Golden Kegs. Um, and that'll, oh, we're going to do a little Chuck's Corner. Haven't done Chuck's Corner in a long time. I have a nice little, not necessarily rant, but a PSA and trying to understand people and their shoveling habits. So we'll get into that at the end of the show before we get going. Tabby the Keg on Twitter, uh, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. It's been rough from a content perspective. Uh, just weird stuff going on with the algorithms. Uh, so hopefully if you guys see our stuff, make sure you're engaging with it. Make sure you're liking it. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, and then uh, also subscribe. Uh, if you're not subscribed already, uh, get on board. Uh, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, make sure that you are tuning in every day uh we do this four days a week i shouldn't say it is every day but four days a week for sure sometimes five uh but definitely four next week uh with the all-star break which will which be nice be nice to uh kind of space things out have a little freedom of when you tape and when you don't tape so stay tuned for that we'll be back monday to just you know kick off the week as i feel like you need that monday show i i did debate i will say i did debate not doing a Monday show next week. And I was like, okay, do I do it? Yes, the All-Star Game is happening. I'm really, I really don't care too much about the All-Star Game, transparently. Uh, but like, I feel like you still need to kind of be on, the, be on the mic on Monday. Like, I feel like everybody needs that. Uh, so we will have something Monday. I don't know exactly what, but maybe we'll do something fun uh, for Monday show and definitely a lot of creativity next week with the All-Star break. Okay, let's spend... A little less time on me and a little more time on Corbin Burns. We're going to talk through everything that happened today, the drama that went on, and then tell you why Corbin Burns is wrong and the Brewers are actually right. And I know that's not what you want to hear. I know that is not what a lot of the fan base is saying. I realize there are a lot of you that will turn off this podcast. Maybe. I hope not. But if you do, I'm not going to necessarily blame you. Uh, and then we shall go from there. So today, Corbin Burns met with the media after he lost his arbitration case. Everybody lost their collective shit. Uh, it was it seemed like it was a powder keg of what's been a winter of discontent for the Milwaukee Brewers online community. It truly was a breaking point, and now it feels like the dam is is broken. It feels like you know the zombies are running loose, like they're in The Last of Us or something like that. Like it's it's bad. Like it was already kind of bad, and now there has been a Molotov cocktail lit into the gasoline drum, and it has exploded. And things are are not great. And partly it's due to Corbin Burns because he had some unsavory comments to the media about what the Brewers had said around that he was the reason that the Brewers did not get to the postseason and said that it soured the relationship. Now, you may remember Josh Hader went through similar things where the Brewers weren't going to give Josh Hader the money that Hader thought he deserved because he wasn't a closer. Then after that, Hader requested to be a closer, and that was that, and that began sort of the deterioration of the relationship between the Brewers and Josh Hader. But then we're not here to talk about Josh Hader. We're here to talk about Corbin Burns. First of all, the Milwaukee Brewers are kind of right. Like Corbin Burns might not have been the sole reason. Corbin Burns pitched every game. Corbin Burns, you know, put the team on his back. 
but he did kind of falter down the stretch. He had 36 earned runs in two months. He had 37 in the first four months of the season. So that's that's not great. And that's in 12 starts for Corbin Burns. Also, the fact that Corbin Burns was seven and five in those last 12 starts, or the team, sorry, was seven and five in those last starts. Now, Burns did not get a lot of run support in those losses. The Brewers did not help his cause offensively. The Brewers' offense was bad. They did rely, I think, on their pitching staff a little bit too much, like the batters themselves, the psyche of it, of it all. So I have to at least acknowledge that part of it. But still, the Brewers' offense had to do some yeoman's work on the offensive side of things. 7-5 and five as an overall team record when your ace is on the mound is not what you think it is. Like, that's 500, right? That's basically where the Brewers were. The Brewers were a 7-5 and five team all season. So you could make a case that, like, 7-5, and five, not all season, they had, you know, they, we had some success. But you get my point. By the end of it, they were basically a 7-5 and five team. So that's Corbin Burns, right? I also don't think the Brewers said, like, bluntly you are the reason that we're not in the postseason like that's a little dramatic like that's like getting everybody on your side like everybody like oh woe is me a little bit okay like every athlete knows the player empowerment era has never been higher it doesn't matter sport whether it's baseball whether it's basketball whether it's football whether it's hockey whether it's tennis everybody's on the player side everyone wants to relate to the players netflix just had their full swing uh documentary come out which i haven't watched yet i'm excited to watch it F1 did this with all their players. Like everybody wants to be sort of friends with the players and social media has and Twitch and other shit has made things more connective and not necessarily, you know, a the player is this and the fans are this. It's like everyone's all in. So when they hear these comments, everybody rushes to their phones and like, I can't believe this shit. I'm so fucking out. I'm so fucking tired of this. The whole other thing. The Brewers definitely wish that this stayed in house. And that this this did not get out. I mean, I don't know if he's talking out of turn. I have no idea how what the rules of of the road are. Uh, but at the same time, you know, now the Brewers have to mend that fence, and I think they will. And I think everybody will get over it. I'm sure. You know, Burns expressed some frustration that it was on Valentine's Day. And look, I like I get it. All right, like I know Valentine's Day is a hallmark holiday. But it's a time you want to appreciate the one you love. And so the fact that he had to go on a plane and do it. Now, I could argue, why didn't you just bring your wife with you? But that's here and there, right? And baseball doesn't sleep. And you didn't take the deal. So you had to do a Valentine's Day hearing. That was that was part of it. Now, I will say, if we start with Burns, then we'll go to the fan base and we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, Burns is wrong. He's just wrong. This is not about $750,000, okay? Like, you need to get that through your head. Like, I will say that again probably in the time we talk about Burns, but you need to get it through your thick skull that is not about $750,000. It's about everybody else. And we'll dive into that right now. The arbitration process is a mess. It sucks. It is not player-friendly, okay? I think that something like a franchise tag, which you have in the NFL, would be more friendly to the player. If it was an escalated scale where it's like, all right, you could use different qualifiers and we're going to give you the franchise tag kind of based on the arbitration system, then everybody would be cool. Even though they probably would still be quote unquote underpaid, uh, they still would have a kind of more of a fair market value. And if it was a franchise tag of 
all right, the first year is 25%, the second year is 50%, the third year is 75% of what you are making on the open open market, I think that would be really productive for everybody and it would avoid this process and it would avoid having any sort of hard feelings. But baseball is not there yet and I don't know if baseball will ever be. This is a very tricky issue. They've already had enough issues with CBAs, with the Players Union, which is probably the strongest in all of the the professional sports that we have going right now. And for the for the Players Union to completely change the arbitration rules to a more flat system, I don't know if they're going to be down with that idea because I think the players are always going to say, well, we can make more, we should make more, right? I watched a great video on arbitration. I posted it to my Twitter last night, uh, tabbing the keg, uh, which I'll probably just retweet after I post uh, the link to the pod. uh, And I will put it on my Instagram story, tabbing the keg, about the process. It's 15 minutes. It is A, extremely fascinating, and B, it is not, you learn it's not conducive to the players winning. It makes no sense. So for for the team and just everything else. So it's not about $750,000. I've said that already. I need to say it again because it's very important in, when you understand this and you figure it out a little bit more. It's the fact that if Corbin Burns makes $10.75 million this year, that means that Corbin Burns is going to make $16.1 in ARB3 if you use the sliding scale of 50% and 75% instead of $15 million. So that's a $1.2 million difference, right? You probably use that $1.2 million. That you can sign a lot of people. Also, if Burns asked for that money, guess what? Or I'm sorry, if Burns got that money, guess what? Everyone else is gonna try to ask for that money too. Everybody's gonna go to the table. So it's not just Corbin Burns asking for an additional $750,000. Victor Caratini is asking for $750,000. $750, Anyone that is up for, Obi Miller, I think, is up for arbitration next year. He's asking for $750,000. Like, that, that's the thing. That's what makes it so complicated is it's not just about one player. It's about everybody else because they do not want to set a precedent. They are not going to set a precedent. They want to stick to their guns and make sure that it is not going to escalate on them. And that's what the Brewers are trying to avoid. File and trial is a very trendy term mentioned in this video uh, by Dead Baseball about the fact that it's like they file, they want to file and then they want to go to trial. And they will work on settlements. Matt Arnold pointed out that 10 of the 11 came to settlements and they will throw out a number that might go to a certain point, but then they'll get the line in the sand. And the reason why they go until like the very end, right before arbitration, is because the the player and the agent are seeing how far they can go before that they're gonna say, all right, no, we're we're done. We're not we're not moving anything further. So it's pretty obvious, and Burns quoted as saying they were pretty poor, probably cost themselves anywhere from $150,000 to $300,000. I'm assuming, I understand he said it's pretty poor, but if you think about it, I, I still find that to be a valley. And so that's why Burns went to, went to trial. And so I think when you look at the longer view, and I realize that I don't have all the listeners, you know, I'm not, you know, on radio. I wish I could do this whole thing, whether it's on Drew or KB's show on 97.3 or Scalzo and Bruss, like talk through just what this means because it's not just about the money. It's it's not, It's it really isn't. It's about the fact that this would be 
the common practice for everybody else. And the Brewers do not want that. The math that Dead Baseball did, he actually did for the Brewers. So that's, that's another cool part about this video. If the Brewers were to basically take it, he used 300,000. So, so he used 3,000 as like they, they would pay out Burns at 10.6 if the Brewers were at 10.3. So they gave him an extra 300,000. So what would happen to everybody else? It would cost the Brewers an additional $8.3 million. Now I know what a lot of people are saying. Well, why don't you fucking spend it? We need to spend more and all this shit that we've heard. And I, I'll get to a little bit of that with the fan base. But let's stay on Burns. Burns isn't gonna cost, isn't gonna just stop pitching great. Because if he's terrible next year, guess what? He's not gonna get that 75%. He's gonna maybe get that 65%. He might get that 60%. If the old Corbin Burns comes back, and people forget, Corbin Burns was not great for a little bit there. It's, yeah, you're not gonna see that 75. You're not gonna max out your arbitration potential. So Corbin Burns is definitely going to work his ass off. He's going to be a professional about it. Now, do I think the Brewers need to maybe figure out their process a little bit? Absolutely. The Josh Hader stuff was messy. They didn't account for the clubhouse being upset with when Josh Hader got traded. They make comments about Corbin Burns that he didn't really like. They have to do a better job with their front office and not treating their players like robots. These players have feelings. Corbin Burns got his feelings hurt. I'm not going to call Corbin Burns a pussy because he got his feelings hurt. I've got my feelings hurt all the time. And I'm sometimes a little too sensitive about it. I've acted, you know, like I'm like, oh, kind of moping around. What was me bullshit? All right. Like I am not immune to it, nor is Corbin. He's an athlete, but he's also a human. Okay. So I, I, I think the Brewers need to do a better job of how they approach things. And if they are a file and trial team, that's fine. But the process should be the same with everybody else and say, here's why we're doing it. Here are the examples we're using. This is why we're doing it. And we couldn't come to an agreement even though we offered Mr. Burns 10.3 million and he rejected that. And so that this is why we're here. We would have loved to work out a deal. We're sorry it couldn't happen. And that's how we feel about you. And that's it. Because at the end of the day, the arbiter uh, is going to make a decision on either number. He's going to either decide, uh, you know, whether it's 10.0 or 10.75. That's it. Okay. So I really hope that you watch, A, watch the video that I, I've talked about with Deb Baseball's, uh, his name. He's, he was just really good. But I also hope that I informed you. And I, I think you, I hope that you got sort of a crash course on why the Brewers want to settle and why it isn't just about 750. It's about creating a chain reaction that would spread throughout the clubhouse. Do the Brewers need to get better at how they talk to their team? Absolutely. That's something that they should take away from this. But I don't think they should just start throwing out money like they're Steve Cohen. Let's stay on the Brewers topic and let's just talk about the fan base in general uh, before we move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Brewers fan base is at an all-time low. This is probably the lowest the Brewers fan base has been maybe since the Ken Maka days. Mitch and I touched on it. You can go back and listen to it. But even in the Ken Maka days, the Brewers had all that young talent. They had Corey Hart. They had Prince Fielder. They had Ricky Weeks. They had Ryan Braun. Like, it, there still was that hope that everything was going to come back to life. And that 20, 2018 wasn't just a mirage. It wasn't just a flash in the pan, right? 
And that, so they still had that going for them. So maybe it was 2005, right, when they won 56 games and the Brewers had not felt, felt fielded, felt, filled, felled. Yeah. The Brewers had not put a postseason team out there for their new stadium in seven years. Think about that for a second. They collapsed in 2007, where the Brewers were very, very good and it all fell apart and it was very poorly mismanaged. Brewers were, it, it like happened too fast for them. You know, it's like a child actor who all of a sudden they blow up and then they start developing a coke habit. That was the 2007 Brewers, right? So, and then 2008, they get in, but they just basically had to get in and then swept by the world champion Phillies. Like they were not, they were not there for very long. 2011 was really the start of everything. And it led to this amazing stretch of baseball for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yet the fan base is cranky and the fan base seems like they do not want to play with the Brewers anymore. They don't want they don't want this toy. They want the Brewers to sort of exit. They want Mark Ananasio to sell the team. Even though the fact this is the most successful run for the Milwaukee Brewers in franchise history. My dad, who I love to death and is a diehard Brewer fan, the guy has, has become more of a Brewer fan in the last few years than he was growing up. He'd always watch, he'd swear his TV and, and whatever, but like he is like all in. And I don't think my this has deterred my dad in any way, right? And I know he's just one person, but I think it's the larger point of, is what the fans are saying online really gonna match the stadium? Or we're gonna probably still see people in the stadium. But this fan base online just wants to spend like the Padres, even though we are a much smaller market overall, we're not the only show in town. So season tickets are hard to come by. People don't really wanna come in April and May. People will go to games in April and May in San Diego, even if their team was shit, right? So you have that. And people also, you know, want the purest form of baseball. Things like X-Golf bother them. Page Piranic bobbleheads bother them. Even though baseball is, even though, ironically enough, uh, the baseball is that guy, he'd probably kill me for this, but like baseball is dying in some pockets, right? It's maybe not all over the place, but the reason why baseball is adopting a pitch clock, why baseball is adopting all these different rules is because they want to get the younger fan involved. Now the World Baseball Classic sold out. Rob Manfred announced that tonight. That's great fucking news. Like that's really exciting. Like no one, nothing do I want more than baseball to succeed. But to go back to this fan base, they, they're they jaded, they're spoiled. Like I, I called them spoiled a couple weeks ago or t it's just, and I was gonna try to avoid it. Uh, in my show notes, I, I deleted that word, but it's true, man. Like th this is good. Like you have it good. We're not the fucking Reds. The Reds spent and then they fire sailed it all. That deserves to be pissed off. We're not the Oakland A's, right? Where we could move to Vegas in an instant. We're not the Tampa Bay Rays where we have success, but we never really seem to retain their guys. Do you think the Rays are going to retain Wander Franco? Do you really think so? Do you really think that's going to happen? Do you really think Tyler Glasgow is going to stay a Tampa Bay Ray? Probably not because that's not how they do business. I'm sure their fans get angry, but maybe they've gotten used to it. And I think because the Brewers have done such a bad job in terms of communicating to their fan base, it has led to this sort of toxic environment. 
And so I'm not putting the fault on everyone who feels differently than I do. I really am. I'm putting it more on the team for not doing a better job of getting out of the media, doing things like podcasts, working media connections like a, a Rosenthal or a John Heyman or a Robert Murray or whoever it may be to really sort of get through what what's being accomplished here. Like where's the big feature on Matt Arnold from Rosenthal or Verducci or somebody else, right? Where is that? Jeff Passan could do that, right? Where is uh, Yelich, who's going to appear in part of my take, I guess, next week, which will be interesting, but we're not going to get a lot out of that. But where is Yelich on Carabas' show or any starting nine, the other uh, Barstool podcast? Like, where is that, right? Like, we need to be pushing our guys. It does. It needs to go beyond just, oh, hey, we sent a tweet. Hey, we do this dugout 54 thing. That was a complete mess. The Brewers are addicted to stepping on their dick. So they are not, like, I am not faulting the fan base entirely, but I'm also saying there needs to be some nuance and there needs to be more of a thought process than just being fucking angry and yelling at Mark Ananasio to sell the team. Because if you sell the team, we're going to be in fucking Portland. We're going to be in Las Vegas. We're going to be in Charlotte. They're going to be the Charlotte Brewers. They'll probably still call them the Brewers because there's a lot of craft beer in North Carolina. Do you want that? Do you really want that? Ask yourself that question. Because I don't think Mark Ananasio has the loyalty to Milwaukee like Herb Cole did. People forget this about the Bucks sound. Herb Cole was adamant that whoever bought the Bucks would stay in Milwaukee. Do you think Mark Ananasio, a guy who lives in LA and New York, and do you think he's really going to be like, you have to keep the Brewers here? Was that, was that owner care? Is that owner is from Charlotte? That owner is from Portland? That owner is from... One of the big cities, Vegas, would be the biggest one. He or she is going to put them there, right? So I, I just think that we have kind of lost the plot a little bit. I think it's a really angry relationship. Uh, we talked yesterday about the sell the team shirts, which were fucking ridiculous. And then that guy backtracked and didn't, and that shirt wasn't on his website. I looked at it today. So either he got a quick C&D or he just thought better and was like, you know what? I'm not going to make these shirts just yet. Now, I have seen the shirts out elsewhere. I think those are utterly ridiculous. I think that is just profiting on outrage, right? Which we do all the time. Like, like I'm more power to, to, I think his name's like Brew Pack or some bullshit. Like, more power to him, right? More power to him profiting off outrage because that's what we do. That's how, like, all these political people make their money, right? That's how Donald Trump came to power. <laughs> like, you know, like, this is how our society works. We just make money off people's outrage. And it's it's disgusting, but that's how it goes, right? You do not want Mark Ananasio to sell a team. I promise you that. Find a new slant, all right? Like really, like I, you can be mad that they haven't spent money. I am equally upset that there has not been an extension done for Woodruff, Burns, or Adonis. I realize the Burns extension is long gone, but if they don't do something with Woodruff or Adonis, the next few weeks, I'm going to be angry too. Like this is not a one-to-one -one thing. I think they've handled PR fan engagement horribly. By the way, the VP of fan engagement, Mark Anasio's son. So that's a problem, right? Nepotism at its finest. We've seen shithead owner sons fuck things up. Look at what's going on at the Hawks right now. That's all because their owner's son is obsessed with Trey Young. So it's not uncommon that that shit kind of happens. And it's frustrating. It's annoying. 
But that's life, baby. Alex Lazary, he was way too deep in the honeypot. For Pete, if you talk around, like, I don't know if it was Lazary directly, but a lot of the reason why the Bogdan Bogdanovich and the Drew Holiday night got blown up was Lazary's fault. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. That's a little intense. But if you just poke your head around enough, they, that's that was on him a little bit. And so I, I just want to point out, like, this is, yeah, this is kind of kind of not like just a Brewers thing. And you should be happy with winning, right? They are predicted by Pakoda to win the NL Central. Now, granted, it'd be ugly, 87 wins. That's not great, right? Hopefully a few more. But they're going to be a good baseball team this year. If everything works out, now Aaron Ashby being hurt and being out for probably two months is not ideal. Not what you want to see. But I do think that they are going to be a team that you'll like, you'll enjoy. And I, my advice to the Brewers would start fast. If the Brewers don't start fast, they're, they're going to be in trouble. Because I think this already angry fan base is going to get angrier. I don't think they're going to get happy. I, I also don't know what these fans do if the Brewers start off like 16 and 8. Like where, where do they go? Where, where do they go? Like, are they still like, yeah, I'm happy for Yelich and Adamas and all this shit, but fuck, fuck the front office. I fucking hate you guys. Like, is it in the front office that put together the 16 and 8 team? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, where do they go? And that's, I think that's the other point, right? Like, it, it's, you can be mad about this stuff, but I think that, I think you need to channel it in a different manner. I think you need to do something differently. And the Brewers really need to work on bringing back the fans. They need to market themselves better. They need to do different things. What they've been doing is not working. They need to throw that out. They need a new voice. And hopefully they'll find it. Uh, you know, I, honestly, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. I will freelance for the Brewers if they want. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to suck their dicks. Uh, but I would 100%. DMs open, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram. I'm more than happy to start working with them and work on how do you get the new age fan because they desperately need to. And how do you fan some of those flames and get those people back on your side? You don't need them carrying the water, but you at least need to understand what the water is all about and what's in that water. And right now, most fans do not. All right, that was a lot of Brewers, right? Uh, pitchers and catchers get back and your boys talk in 25 minutes of Brewers. That's great, love that. Uh, but we'll move on to the Milwaukee Bucks who had a game last night. Bucks get it done 112 to 110. On the surface, that looks a lot closer than it was. Uh, the Bucks really were in full control of this game, even with Giannis Antetokounmpo only playing nine minutes because of a wrist injury. We'll talk about that in a second. With Giannis's absence, Tonight was a good reminder of the depth that the Milwaukee Bucks have uh, with the play of Brooke Lopez, who, you know, I think people sometimes forget how good Brooke Lopez is offensively because it's like, okay, he's the fourth member of the quote unquote big three. But Brooke Lopez can provide you a night like this. Like Brooke Lopez can do this in a playoff series if it's the right opponent. Brooke can bring that for you. And I, I think that just is a, a nice little comforting reminder, right? It's like this blanket that you have where you're like, okay. Yeah, this Brook can do this. And he does it on both ends. He was great defensively tonight. 
uh, as well. And I think that's that's always a good thing to keep in mind and good thing to keep in your back pocket that if things aren't going right for Giannis or things aren't going right for Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton, that you have a guy like Brooke Lopez there who can be a scorer and can you know really find his shot if it's going. And I thought the Bucks did a great job of feeding him early. He had 14 first half, first quarter points. And it just kind of went from there. And he wasn't the only one. Uh, Javon Carter, man, what an interesting guy Javon Carter is. I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way as I do. I was on the camp, uh, and I don't think the Bulls are a good team. Let, let's be clear. It's 26 and 33. They've lost six straight games. They're looking outside of the, of the play-in. Uh, but Javon Carter had himself... A night uh, with 18 points, or 22, excuse me, 22 points, uh, six rebounds, six assists. But one of the things I've said about John Carter is just I felt like he was a guy who would play good against bad teams like the Bulls. And then against good teams, he'd kind of wilt. He wouldn't necessarily show up. Well, he started to show up in these big games. Like he was pretty solid in the Boston game, Boston game in the first half. Now he shot too much in the second half, and that was like, okay, Javon, like pull the reins back. And that's the one thing about him is like he gets very confident in himself. And I, I love his confidence. Like I'm not gonna knock a guy for being confident in himself, but when he does get a little over his britches, that's the time where it's like Bud needs to be like, all right, just play within the system. There's a little bit of it's Javon Carter time. We talked about that with Jay Crowder. Like Javon does that too, but he's a guy that could help you in a playoff series. Might not be a guy you can play in every playoff series, but get him out there. He is shooting the three at such an efficient rate right now. And I think that's a crazy thing to think about, right? Right now, Javon Carter is shooting 40% from three. And he's, his attempts are way up. He's at 3.7. It's the most threes he's attempted in his entire NBA career. And he's averaging 7.3, which also is a career high. Minutes are up at 22, which is also a career high. Javon Carter is taking advantage of his opportunities. It will not shock me if there is a Javon Carter game in the playoffs. It, it just won't because he has something. He has a pull-up three. Hey, he loves the wing. And he can get to his spot. And if you can get to your spot, you usually can be successful in the NBA. I think he's getting better against these good teams. And that's a very encouraging thing to see. I know the Bulls aren't good, but I still like the fact that Javon Carter can step into the starting rotation and act like nothing's wrong. He was there because Pat Conson was out with an injury. There was no Chris Middleton tonight. So you had Javon Carter starting. And he relished that opportunity and took advantage of it. Now, do I think Javon Carter could start if the Bucs were fully healthy? Probably not. I don't think he's the fifth guy. But you could see that if they had a, a – I maybe, you know, the, I'm, the one matchup I could see that would be Cleveland, right, with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. If you wanted both you wanted both guys, you know, in hell early, you could maybe float Carter out there and have a little smaller of a lineup than you would with, you know, whether it be Grayson or Pat or something like that. All, another guy to keep in mind on this is AJ Green. AJ Green uh, had five threes tonight. Came just he was <laughs> I don't know the last time AJ Green played, but there were major AJ Green minutes tonight. Twenty three. I think he's had an injury, if I'm not mistaken. I think AJ Green's been banged up, and so that's why he hasn't been out there. But AJ Green can fucking shoot the basketball. Uh, he played in garbage time in the Clippers game on the tenth. But that was his first appearance since the 23rd against Detroit. So during this whole winning streak, we have not really seen A.J. Green. But A.J. Green has a cannon. Like, A.J. Green is a good three-point shooter. He has a good stroke. 
Now, is he a complete liability defensively? Yes. But I think we've seen in some playoffs games where the Bucks need a basket. They need a guy to just kind of be a microwave. AJ Green can be that guy. Now, can you have him out there for more than two minutes? No, probably not. But you got to remember, this was brought up, I think, by Marzahn today. Like, the Bucs had Elijah Bryant playing, like, meaningful minutes in the Brooklyn series. The Bucs had Thanasis playing meaningful minutes in the Brooklyn series. Or at the end of quarters, right? Remember the Thanasis end of quarter minutes? Like, it's not unheard of for Bud to do some of this shit. So just keep that in your back pocket with A.J. Green. I, I think... I think there's something there. I, I still think he's going to need time defensively to get to get to where it can be a you know rotational guy. But yeah, I I really the future not necessarily the future's bright, but like the chances of the Bucks having multiple guys to just come up with a random great game is higher than I think it was even in 2021. And we sort of talked about that a little bit with Mitch, and it's like it just this furthers the point. The Bucks were able to cook the Bulls. With no Giannis, no Chris, and Drew having sort of just uh, get me to Salt Lake City game, right? Even fifteen and nine, he, his stat line looked good, but it was not a it was not a good Drew Holiday. I did fifteen points on fifteen attempts. Uh, he also mi- missed uh, six threes. He would definitely be a one keg guy, but it's even hard to give him a one keg because he had nine assists and six rebounds. Like that's that's productive. Only one turnover. Like that's productive stuff. But one keg is obviously going to go to the injury. And let's just talk. Let's do, we'll do the three keg and the two keg real quick. They're guys we mentioned. Brooke Lopez, three kegs, 100%. And for those unfamiliar or new to the program, these are golden kegs. Kind of run through like who played the best, who played the worst in each of these games. It might be a little redundant, but it's it's a fun little thing we do. And then it goes, It's it hasn't made an appearance on social, but maybe it needs to on Friday. But three kegs to Brooke Lopez, uh, just an incredible game for him, 33-7. and seven. Uh, He also had four blocks. Uh, it was just tremendous from the start of the game to the end of the game. Uh, two kegs goes to Javon Carter, uh, as we mentioned in stat line. Uh, four made threes tonight. Get Javon Carter in. Why isn't Javon Carter in the three-point contest over Julius Randle? Some are asking. Uh, AJ Green with a nod two on a two-kegger uh, for what he did with 15 off the bench. And then one keg, Giannis' injury. And let's talk a little more on this. So Giannis Antetokounmpo hurts his wrist. He goes right into the stanchion. It seems like Giannis just keeps getting banged up. He had the knee thing against Boston. Now he has this wrist thing. Uh, we'll see if Giannis plays in the All-Star game. I think he will. Uh, but Boone Older stayed back. The Astros came back clean. Looks good. He'll be fine. I don't think there's anything to worry about. I think the Bucs were, you know, with the knee injury on Tuesday night. And then the wrist thing today. They were like, all right, let's just chill here. We don't, if we lose this game to the Bulls, we lose this game to the Bulls. It's not that important, but the Bulls aren't looking that good. Brooks cooking, Javon's cooking. Let's just sit you for the rest of the game. You're not even really playing that well. Giannis only had two points. He did have seven boards and three assists. Set the assist record uh, for the bu- for the Bucks. But yeah, it was, there was no need to have Giannis out there. And so I, I credit to Boonholzer to not push it here. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we'll see if Giannis plays in the All-Star game. If he doesn't, I'm not going not gonna to lose my mind. I think I said that in a text to a buddy, but I'm not, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, whatever. If he wants a full week's rest, I totally get it. But Giannis is the type of guy that likes that shit. He wants to play in those games. And so I, won't be, I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis is out there. I also wouldn't be surprised if Giannis dresses, 
only plays a little bit. Like we only see Giannis for a quarter or something like that and work something out with Joe Mazzola. I do think Joe Mazzola would want Giannis out there for 40 minutes, right? He would want to just tire Giannis out as much as possible. But I do think, you know, there'll, there'll probably be some sort of agreement where Giannis plays, but maybe not as much as you might hope in a all-star game. But yes, uh, the injury sucked, but I'm not, I'm not too, too concerned about it. One thing I wanted to sneak in before we talk shoveling uh, so the bracket reveal comes out on Saturday at 11.30. Marquette has off uh, this weekend, thank God, uh, after their dogfight with Xavier. Uh, but the 16 seeds will come out. And the assumption, I think, would be that Marquette will will find themselves as, as one of those 16 seeds. The question is where? Will they respect what the Big East is doing and put Marquette you know, in that three seed or even in that two seed. If you look at Jerry Palm's bracket, which was updated yesterday, uh, you have Purdue, Kansas, and Houston and Alabama as the one seeds. And the two seeds are Texas, Virginia, Baylor, UCLA. And then Marquette is sitting at the three seed with Arizona, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and then UConn, Xavier, Iowa State, Kansas State, all fall at the four line. I think that's actually a really fair top 16. We'll see if it plays out that way. I I think Marquette is more than deserving at the three line at this point. Um, I think it would be kind of stunning if they thought Marquette was a four, just given the fact they're leading the Big East and the Big East is you know the second best conference to the Big 12. I could make a case, honestly, for for that two seed. Uh, it's interesting. UCLA in trouble. Uh, I don't know if they're they're going to lose, but they were they were in a really bad spot. Uh, Thirteen point favorites uh, playing with their food tonight against uh, who is it? Stanford. Let's see here. They did pull it out, seventy three to sixty four. Didn't cover. Um, that's not great. What are you gonna do? Uh, so UCLA probably will still find themselves on the two line, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to watch and something definitely worth talking about on Monday's show. That's probably the best thing for the weekend preview. We mentioned the all-star game. We'll see if Giannis plays. Badgers play Rutgers. Big, big game for my Badger fan friends. Um, just given the fact they're right on the bubble. If you're using Palm, same bracket. They are in the first four in right now playing Arkansas. Talk about a contrast of styles. Similar colors, very different styles. Uh, uh, that, that would be an interesting one uh, if the Hogs and the Badgers met in the first four. Uh, but if they were able to beat a Rutgers team where the wheels have kind of fallen off, uh, that could be beneficial to them uh, in their plight to get back into the tournament and get back really in the dance. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, that's that's it. But we have Tiger. We got the Netflix documentary. I'm trying to catch up on The Last of Us. Like first weekend without football, I'll be okay. I'll be I'll be fine. I'll I'll live. There's enough enough good shit happening uh, on the on the old TV. I think Baylor, Kansas is at three on, on Saturday. That's definite must-watch territory for sure uh, for college hoops. Okay, let me talk really quickly about shoveling and rant. So it snowed a bunch today. Um, you, you guys know that. Um, most of you probably living in the Milwaukee area or in the Wisconsin area. I don't understand, and I would love someone to explain to me, people who shovel their snow uh, before it stops snowing. I do not get those people at all. I, I, I like do not get it. I was walking my dog, who's a great Pyrenees mix. Uh, Lily, for those who are unfamiliar, podcast producer, Lil. 
uh, she loves snow. So we, we were walking and it was a good time and it wasn't that bad. There's like one stretch where it was bad, but like I saw people snow blowing. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like the only way that it makes sense to snow blow or to shovel early is if number one, you don't have the weather channel app and you're just a complete Munson about this or number two, you need to leave and you need to go or, and you want to make sure that your, your lot's cleared for yourself. Now, what I would do in that situation is I would just shovel or snowblow myself out. I wouldn't spend the manpower just doing the whole thing only to have to go back over it tomorrow morning. I hate the fact that I have to get up early to snowblow because I have to work out and everything else. It sucks, but it's how it goes, right? You can't really stop the weather. And the Weather Channel app would tell you, and you could use anyone. I, I know meteorologists actually hate the Weather Channel app, but like any of those meteorologists would have told you, wait till tonight. Like if you're gonna do it, do it tonight, but don't don't spend your time. And I didn't I didn't snow blow tonight because I didn't want to wake my neighbors. I was trying to be a good neighbor. My dog barked, which does, doesn't help my cause outside. But yeah, I. No way, man, are, are you shoveling early. So if you are a early shovel or snowblower, my words of wisdom would be get an app, pick whatever weather app you want. If it's under 50% for in terms of like coming up, like if you notice it stops snowing and you're like, okay, it stops snowing and I should go out there and shovel. Look at the app. The app tells you 40 to 30, or like 30% or under, you're probably good to go. If you get fucked, get fucked. But that's, I think that's more reasonable than people who are out there at fucking seven tonight when there were still three hours of snow left. That's just idiotic. Doesn't make any sense. All right. Have a good weekend. Take care. Hopefully no more brewer drama. Hopefully everybody can just relax, put our guns down, get to thinking about brewer baseball again, to think about Bobby Uecker and things get better on that side. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Talk where Marquette falls in that ranking, maybe a little bit, getting ourselves ready for Creighton as well, uh, which is Tuesday night, uh, biggest game of the week uh, besides Bucks Suns on Sunday, and anything else that comes across the wire this weekend. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great, great weekend and Friday. I will talk to you then. Peace. It's like going to go buy and then I like buy peace and it's another beast. Uh, but see you later.